The way it goes is is uh, every time we say you know, you have to take a drink. Every time uh, you mention Jacob, you have to do a shot of your choice. Every time we say um, you can dole out a drink. Yep. Every time you mention the name Liz Stillman, you got to chug a beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm in. Well, uh, five because Liz Stillman has tentatively, <laughs> tentatively joined the party. Chug a beer. just seems a little silly. I mean, obviously, okay, if people are dying, you're obviously taking it a little too far. I'm Sanders, and he's Liv, and we are Two Sorry Excuses. Liveroo! What's up, Sam, man? Hey, man. What's going on, Sam, man? How are you? All right, how are you? Good, happy Thursday. Yeah, happy Thursday to you. Episode 19. Of two or as stars. we refer to April 3rd in my house, happy Lee Zurich birthday. Happy Lee Zurich birthday. I was a little nervous um, this week. It's our first uh, post-season podcast. We could, you know, maybe talk a little bit about uh, Syracuse post-mortem, maybe a little bit spring football. Um, but I thought we were going to run a little thin on things to talk about. But once I got your text message this morning letting me know... All hail Lee Zurich. I yeah. knew we'd have plenty to chat about. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to go too hardcore. We kind of did the post-mortem last week. You know, and um, and honestly, I don't know enough about spring football to, to let that carry this show either. Lee Zurich it is. Yeah, Lee Zurich it is. The big four zero for old Lee. Which is funny because when we f- first chatted about him a couple weeks ago, I think uh, maybe episode 13, holy fuck, it's Lee Zurich? Yep. That sounded about right? Um, yeah. I didn't realize that he was, uh, that he graduated with me. I, yeah, he, I only realized that today when I saw that it was his 40th birthday on Facebook. Okay, well, I did a little creeping while I was waiting for you to uh, finish your dinner and mind your wares. Um I chucked out old Lee Zurich, who doesn't have a, a, a Wikipedia page, which, in in my opinion, differentiates the 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 men from the boys in terms of public spotlight. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page? No. Hmm, that's interesting. I'm no. surprised. I, I was going to take it upon myself to create his, but um, I'll have to do that maybe this weekend when I get a little more time. But uh, I noticed... 
that he okay he's got a, a Facebook page that is extremely personalized with pictures of his kids and his wife um, his past education yeah um, where I'm he's Facebook from friends with him you are Facebook friends with okay this is what I've noticed but he also has 4998 other Facebook friends yeah. I think when I friended him it was about at the 800 number because it was years ago so this is it's a little strange because is he is this the representation of publicly Zurich or privately Zurich is there a privately Zurich I think privately Zurich is Facebook Zurich. I mean, hell, he was quite open walking the kids on the street, taking random uh, <laughs> verbal abuse from drunk guys in cars. <laughs> <laughs> but then how can you be uh, chief investigative reporter Lee Zurich if, if you're clearly out in the open and out for everybody to see your your you know your life at a at a click of a Facebook uh, banner, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of strange. It's kind of strange. They just won a Peabody Award too. Well, I saw that. I saw yeah. that. More importantly, he is friends with Laura Prang. Are you familiar right, that with means Laura? To you and not me, Laura Prang. She was um, she was a Newhouse chick. Uh, totally into the whole broadcast journalism scene, but she was a she, even in college, even at twenty two years of age, she was a woman amongst girls. Yeah, it, she. I think she was born at sixteen years old. There was just something about her. While you know the rest of the chicks that you ran into had you know, a certain quality or, you know, kind of a certain um, attractiveness to them, she kind of blew them out because she was like a soccer mom before we even knew what soccer moms were, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it, she's front and center Facebook of uh, a Facebook friend of Lee Zurich and looks as as good as she did. It looks as womanly as she did uh, back in the day. So Lee Zurich, Clearly keeps in in touch with folks. Yeah, we have eighteen mutual friends, but uh, only three of them are Syracuse people, and they're all SAE guys, of course. Is one of them Rob Langdon? No, no, I'm not. I don't know where Rob Langdon is. Uh, but Adam Zucker, who you may know, who was my year. Yeah. You know Jason Carley. He used to work at Fagans. He was between us. Uh, the name sounds familiar. And Rich Haydorn, who was my year, who you probably don't know. They're, they are my three Syracuse mutual friends with Lee Zurich. As the stalking goes deeper. <laughs> it's, it, it's a little uncomfortable at this point, I would say. Even, well, for, even for you and I, and we're doing the stalking. Yeah, I hope he never listens to the show. <laughs> He is going to become our patron saint the way Ted McGinley was the patron saint of the old jumptheshark.com website back in the day. (laughs) We're going to have to have a picture of him front and center on the homepage. Not that there isn't already, but like, you know, you hit two star excuses and the first thing that comes up is a full page of good old Lee 
that fades to the a flash intro of Lee Zurich. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, um, we may we may come up on search engine uh, searches if people search for Lee Zurich because uh, there's not a ton of stuff out there on him. Yeah, and he certainly doesn't uh, publicize his. Um, uh, his relationship with the SAE fraternity, but I guess these days I don't know if you've been following that story, but um, I don't know if many people are are um, are trumpeting yeah. their allegiance with SAE. So I guess they got in uh, in a bunch of trouble for hazing or um, yeah. initiation pranks or whatnot. Like n- nationally, a few a few people died. I think any any at Syracuse. I don't know about Syracuse, but I think it was like um, there was, I think, more than one death in the past couple of years involving SAE hazing at any of the chapters, I believe. SAE was one of those fraternities that I never quite, I never quite got. Fraternities have, and sororities, but, but more so fraternities have stereotypes for a reason. It's that old adage. There, there's a reason there is a stereotype because yeah. a, a good amount of what is said is true. And, you know, you had fraternities like, uh, you know, Sigma Chi, who had a certain type of guy, and Psy Yu, or as Mark Klaus would say, Zai Yu. Zai Yu, yes. You know, had a, a certain kind of guy. And, and, and for better or for worse... Um, whether they were predisposed that way or not, they all kind of fit that mold, you know? And you kind of, you know, knew what you got when you were kind of hanging out with a group of those guys. But yep. the SAE guys were, I don't know, they were like a, an enigma. I, I didn't know too many of them. Rob Langdon obviously was one of them. Now Lee Zurich, um, in <laughs> retrospect. Now, now Lee Zurich, who you really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But I never would have pegged them for the you know the the kind of fraternity or the kind of guys um, who would end up getting a an entire chapter shut down. But isn't yeah. that the whole point? I wasn't in fraternity. You weren't in a fraternity. No. It held no attractiveness to me. I didn't, I don't I didn't want to have anything to do with being told to be somewhere because I was a part of an organization that. You know, I shared with a bunch with thirty other guys, but um, I thought that was kind of the allure. That was kind of the point of being in a fraternity. The you know the hazing aspect, the you know the the ritualistic alcoholism, or you know binge drinking component of of initiations. Um, that it just seems a little silly. I mean, obviously, okay, if people are dying, you're obviously taking it a little too far. Yeah, but. You know, to to kind of crack down on the point that they're eliminating these fraternities from you know campus. They've well, been. I thought like, well, I don't. I mean, obviously, you've read more about this because I've only seen seen it in passing. But uh, the thing is, there uh, SAE nationally is told the house is basically quit hazing or you're out. Is that that's what's going on, right? Yeah, that the. the They've, in addition to that, they've taken it a step further. And if I remember reading the article correctly, the initiation process has also been eliminated. It's essentially like a, a two week or a week long pledge process, pledging being in quotes. And they've actually removed the word pledge. 
and it's an introductory period. And after that week or two weeks, uh, you're you know you're essentially a brother. And yeah. you know, kinda... and then they'll start fucking with you. <laughs> God, I I'm hope sure so. They'll find some way to fuck with people. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, you hope so. I can't imagine a world where, where Lee Zerk didn't get fucked with as an 18-year-old freshman. Yeah. I guess not. I mean, what kind of world is that? That's not a world I want to live <laughs> not in. Not a world that I want to live in. <laughs> well, happy birthday, Lee Zerk. Enjoy it. Many more. And uh, here's to uh, getting your own Wikipedia page, for God's sakes. Yeah, somebody's got to do that for the man. I can't believe it's not out there. You're a Peabody winner. Yeah, act like it. (laughs) Get your own page of speciously uh, (laughs) searched facts. Although here are the top four uh, searches related to Lee Zurich. Lee Zurich bio. Lee Zurich investigation. Lee Zurich eyebrows. And Lee Zurich trespassing. Dude, the Lee Zurich where in the world is Tony Thomasy. That's when he just did a... uh, like in the last month, that was really good. Where he, uh, some politician who Lee Zurich interviewed in the middle of the day, getting smashed at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lee Zurich investigation. Where in the world is Tony Thomasy? Undercover video shows a West Bank elected official drinking instead of doing his job. <laughs> so that's what he does. He goes out and he just does these investigative reports. Yeah, that one was classic. That was just recently, and he's gone and interviewing this guy while he's sitting in him. In a bar in the middle of uh, the day during a work week, just getting drunk. <laughs> was the guy a willing participant? Uh, I mean, I think he was. He, I think he was responding to his questions, but he was clearly embarrassed. What are you going to do? Get up and run out? <laughs> <laughs> they got you on video in a bar to begin with. You might as well just take it. You know. <sighs> well, I'll tell you what. The only guy. Uh, uh, there's only one person who could be pissed that Lee Zurich is uh, is a, now a Peabody Award winner, and that's Adam Cooper, who was the Lee Zurich of the class of 1995. Oh, jeez. And Cooper was knee-deep in Newhouse. He, yeah. was, he was by far uh, ahead of his class when it came to, you know, breaking into the, the sports news business. And... Um, I at this point I think Cooper's out of the game. He's maybe doing a little radio or something up in Boston for a while, but yeah, you know I think he's just no longer um, reporting on news. But Lee Zerk blew blew by him. Yep, Lee Zerk's guys on Twitter page. How many followers? That's always the big key. He's got three p. Uh, well, I mean, apparently it's 14 people that follow me or I follow to follow him. He has 8,154 followers. All right, not bad. It's not bad. I mean, this is a metro area of 1.2 million people. I'm sure most of those followers are from the New Orleans metro area. Who is a comparable um, news, I don't want to say celebrity, but, you know, information figure whether they do broadcast journalism or you know talk radio or something along those lines down there down here yeah um geez i ain't bobby a bear for one but i don't know if he has twitter but he does have his own radio show that's that was the person who popped up 
um, when I was thinking, probably because it's the only person I know. But um, what's but as he... far as people that weren't star football players, right? I mean, but no, even take Bobby Hebert. Really... What's his Twitter? What are his Twitter followers? I don't even know if Bobby Abear has a Twitter. Did uh, you check that? I did. He does. It's it's at uh, uh, Bobby Abear three. He's got thirteen thousand followers. So yeah, I guarantee you, he's not tweeting any of that stuff himself. Bobby Abear, what he was classic for was, you know, his son played for LSU. Okay. Uh, and just left a couple of years ago, and um, Abear gets a press pass, even though he's not really the press. You know, but he's at all the games and he's usually drinking, you know. Uh-huh. And they, uh, so he had a press pass for that BCS championship game in the Dome a couple of years ago when LSU lost to Bama. So he showed up to LSU to Les Miles' press conference <laughs> and started grilling his ass. <laughs> Bobby Avery did? Yeah, like he was asking him shit that fans would ask. <laughs> In a game that Bobby Abair's son had played in. Like, he was not there as the press. He was there as the disgruntled fan slash parent of a player. Pissed at the coach for for, for blowing the game, in his opinion. <laughs> uh, it was pretty classic. <laughs> so I, I tend to think they probably took away his press pass for that type of stuff. <laughs> But he wasn't there as the press. He was sitting at that game and drinking the whole time. <laughs> well, this appears to be the official Bobby Abair. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, his 13.3 thousand uh, followers. So given given the region, I would say Lee Zurich's 8,000 followers is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think so. If Bobby Abair's got 13 and, and Lee Zurich's coming in at half that, I'm going to check some other local uh, people that might, well, it's hard to, I'm Googling, well, I'm doing the Twitter search, and I just don't know who has um, Twitter, but I think I think Bobby Abers has to be near the top for local people, so. Hmm. Let's do this. Let's get, let's, let's get the two sorry excuses army. To push Lee Zurich up over the 10,000 Twitter follower mark. <laughs> You're putting a lot of faith in the size of our army. <laughs> 10,000 or bust. Yeah. That's what we're going for. This but- is what I'm going to compare him to. Compare him to the mayor of New Orleans. How many followers does the mayor of New Orleans have? Oh, the mayor of New Orleans has 21.3,000. Okay. Okay. So he's got, he's got what, a third? Yeah, he's got more than a third. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. You know? So there you go. So uh, I think Lee's doing pretty well in the followers department. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little egg on our face for um, for kicking over his apple cart there. No, you're the one kicking over his apple cart. I thought 8,000 was pretty good. <laughs> this isn't New York, for Christ's sakes. You sell me out. I can't believe you would do that. No, Lee, it was him. Zurich, you're the one who just keeps hating on him, comparing him to your friends like Cooper. Come on, man. It was that guy. <laughs> Lee, it was that guy over there. He, he was over there. <laughs> He's friends with Rob Langdon. Yeah. Also, he hates Otto's Army. <laughs> yeah, you are the hater of Otto's Army. You sell out. 
<laughs> well, let me compare to the local stations. How how much do the how many followers do the official station feeds get? Like WWL, this is the most popular television uh-huh. station, local television station towns where Lee used to work. Oranges to oranges, so to speak. Yeah, they have fifty thousand followers. WWL TV. That's the CBS affiliate. That's the most popular network, hands down, in New Orleans, in the New Orleans area. Let's see what uh, Channel 6 has. This is the second most popular. And once again, not Lee Zurich's station. They only have 28,000 followers. Hmm. So I'm tending to think whatever. I don't know. I think Lee's doing all right. I'm not going to give him any more hell. All right, but I still want us to push him over the 10,000 yeah. follower mark. Somehow Darren Sharper still has 141,000 followers. <laughs> 141,000 people that didn't read the news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, good times, Darren. Yeah, well, good times. well, it's the push for 10,000. I'm behind it all the way. Let's get... Let's le- Get Lee there. If we can get him to nine to start, and then slowly but surely get him to ten. All right. So um, that's when this goes up, when you post it on Facebook, uh, make sure that we direct uh, all of our Facebook faithful over to his to his Twitter page. Uh, follow him. I will direct our four Twitter followers to, <laughs> to like uh, Lee Zurich's page. And let's see if we can uh, we can get him up over ten thousand. We have a scary. Uh, this is going to scare the hell out of you when I tell you this because you'll probably become real self conscious. Okay. One of our loyalist uh, followers, uh, our El Salvadoran uh, syndicate down there, uh, Alfredo Quinones, aka Fredo, aka Papa Fredo. I knew it was you, Fredo. Yes. He, he, he's been exchanging messages with the Two Sorry Excuses Facebook page. All right. Uh, which makes him exclusive in that outside of the first original message sent by a little Teresa. Okay. It's, it's been all Fredo since. He pointed <laughs> out that we, that we say the term, you know, uh, fairly frequently during our conversations. And he... He has suggested there be a drinking game of it. I told him that perhaps next time he listens, he can do the drinking game himself and he can record it or, you know, take a video of him listening and doing the drinking game and then we can post it to our page. So hopefully Fredo will go that way. Um, I think he owes it to us. You know, that's, um, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Two sorry excuses drinking game. Whenever we say you know... You take a swig of beer, and apparently you'll be really drunk by the end of it, according to Fredo. <laughs> Do we really say it that much? I Listen, man, I don't listen to the podcast, to be honest with you, because it makes me too damn self-conscious. Yeah, that's funny. All right, I'll have to go back and I'll have to listen. I know I personally say, um, like a motherfucker. Oh, I know I do. The worst is be <laughs> The first deposition I did, and, uh... My buddy who I work with gets the transcript back. He's like, man, he's like, look at this. He's like, uh, he's like, you got to watch out and stuff like that because they're taking down everything you say. You know, it was like, <laughs> you knows and ums all throughout the transcript. 
Um, but it's so hard to not do that, you know? Is that Jacob? Yes. I just said you know. <laughs> so uh, the way it goes is is uh, every time we say you know, you have to take a drink. Every time uh, you mention Jacob, you have to do a shot of your choice. Every time we say um, you can dole out a drink. Yep. Every time you mention the name Liz Stillman, you got to chug a beer. <laughs> All right, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm gonna. There's got to be BP and Mike Peters and Reardon Brothers and Mike Cuddy triggers. There's got to be. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to come up and come up with a whole set of rules. All right, so I'm gonna write down a draft of at least the initial offerings. And then we'll get that up on the TwoSorryExcuses.com um, homepage. The official yep. rules of the Two Sorry Excuses drinking game. And Fredo is also the first guy to commit to the uh, party bus uh, that will be gone from somewhere in New Jersey, maybe, to the Carrier Dome for the LSU-Syracuse football game. All right, let me mark them down. Fredo won. And there's no going back on that. He knows that. Okay. Does he have a valid uh, passport? Yes, he does. All right. <laughs> does he have a valid passport? Like, <laughs> like, he, like Fredo's some kind of guy I knew while he was over here working as an illegal laborer. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's probably been to more different countries than you and I combined. Does he have a valid passport? <laughs> Jeez. (laughs) All right. Racist much, Sanders? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never know. You never know. Yeah, I guess that's why you're always invoking that that old saying about stereotypes. Oh, that's good stuff, man. Good stuff. Uh, so we got to get party bus rolling. Now that we have our, our first person on, you know, we can really start getting it rolling now. Because that's one. That's one. Uh, three people. Three people on that bus and four if your wife decides to come. Well, uh, five because Liz Stillman has tentatively, <laughs> tentatively joined the party. Chug a beer! <laughs> Oh man! Listen, we were wondering, we were wondering whether or not we were um, we were too old to touch base with the with the current Syracuse population. But I think if this drinking game catches on, I think we're going to be mainstream as as you can get at our age. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we're going to have to be real hip, you know? (laughs) Every time the name Liz Stillman said, you got to Instagram a picture of you chugging a beer. (laughs) Uh, You'll wear a fedora. I'll wear a monocle. Yeah. I don't think he gets any hipper than that. I read Huffington Post. Well, there you go. That's all you need to know. (laughs) I'm not racist. I read Huffington Post. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 
It's going to be trending. Hashtag cancel TSEC. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Good times. Good times. Uh, What else you got, man? Uh, well, uh, okay. This is a nice little story. Tells you about the competence of the American workforce out there. Um, so back in late February, I went and got my oil changed in my car at one of those five minute oil change places, you know? Yep. And, uh, didn't think anything of it at the time, you know, like the next week I put in a new air filter, you know, cause whenever you go to one of those things, they always tell you your air filter shot. And they want to charge you like $40 <laughs> to replace it when you can go buy one for 12 bucks at the AutoZone. So, um, so I went and bought a new one, and I, I put it in. When I, and when I put it in, opened my hood, I noticed that the windshield washer fluid thing wasn't put back on tight, you know? But I was like, oh, those friggin' morons. They always do stuff like that, you know? Well... Uh, didn't think anything of it. I don't park in the driveway, you know. Usually I'm parked in the street or something like that, so I don't notice stuff leaking under my car, you know? Right. Because it's not leaving a mark in a driveway that I'm in, you know? Like, uh, so last Friday, uh, six days ago, there was, uh, ridiculous monsoon-like weather, uh, came through New Orleans, and when I left work that day, you know, my car was, like, in huge puddles, you know, that like, the streets were almost flooded, you know, they did, you know, so it was, so I, I go to my car, and I see, you know, water, standing water there, and I see the rainbow streaks, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm like, I hope that shit's not coming from my car, you know, I hope my car's not leaking oil, and I'm like, my car, you know, it's a 2007, but it's in really good shape. I was like, there can't be a problem with that now. Um, but that was the night of reunion, so I drove my car home and, you know, left it there. Didn't think anything of it. I didn't get back. Uh, I didn't drive my car again until Sunday because Saturday was just a wash. Uh, I went over to my buddy's house during the day, and when I left his house... I thought I saw like fresh uh, oil or something leaking from the car. Uh, so the next day, I'm like, well, I got to do something about this. So that night, I put a cardboard box under the car to see if it was coming from my car to, to confirm that that it was from my car. And, I, and wouldn't you know, there's oil in the box. So the next day... I go, I was like, oh, wait, I better check the oil, make sure it's not gone low. But I didn't check it because I just forgot, but I went directly to the place where I got the oil done. And I, and I tell the dude there, the the friggin' kid, uh, and he's like, well, you know, let's pop the hood. I was like, yeah, let's pop the hood. Because I'm thinking maybe they didn't tighten something up on the bottom, you know? He... Right away, Pop, and he's like, well, here's your problem. You don't have an oil cap. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. Seriously? (sighs) And, uh, you know, in this time, I told my mom about it, and she's telling me the horror stories of two people she knows whose cars were ruined because of stuff at those oil places. And then the next day, um, get ready to take a shot. Uh, the day before, I was talking to Jacob about it, and he told me how he knows two people's 
two people who had cars that were screwed up because of incompetence at the oil change place, including something that happened to him once in one of those cars. And I have a story of something that happened once, but I never had this, you know? Yeah. So me and that guy are looking for the oil cap, hoping it's somewhere in the hood, you know, somewhere in the engine. And, uh, of course, we can't find it. And then he's like, he's gone upstairs looking through all the old caps that they have on hand. Probably other caps that fall out, fell out because they never re- replaced them on the cars. Uh, but he can't find any. He comes down. He's like, I don't know. I was like, well, they sell them at AutoZone, right? Because AutoZone, the auto supply place is like two doors down from the, from the oil change joint. He's like, yeah, but I don't know if my if my manager is going to allow me to uh, reimburse you for it. And he's not here right now. I'm like, for one, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You know? <laughs> like, I'm lucky my my car didn't die. You know, uh, I could have burned up the damn engine. And, uh, he's like, oh, well, he gets in the phone with the, with the manager and he goes off. And then the, the car that was in the bay in front of me leaves and. This other kid comes out. He's like, what's going on? I tell him. He's like, oh, you know, and they start treating me real nice. And he's like, come on in. And he goes down there and he's making sure everything's tight. And the other kid comes under the car. And the other kid comes out and he's like, well, we don't have any. I talked to the manager. I'm going to go to AutoZone to buy one. He goes down there. Of course, they didn't have it. Blah, blah, blah. Comes back. And as we're talking, he's like, well, there's another uh, auto supply place down the street. You know, it's a set, you know, uh. The same company, but it's like a mile down. And and I'm like, all right, well, we'll go get it there. I was like, I'll go get it. I don't care. And then in that time, the other guy's like, well, I'm going to make sure everything's tight down there. And then he sees it. The other guy sees it wedged in there. <laughs> you know? It's in your engine? <laughs> yes, it was somewhere down there. It was wedged in. Uh and they got a tool, and they got it out. And I was like, thank God. They put it back in, topped off the oil. They gave me some special card to get a discount whenever I come back. And then they, you know, the, the car wash down the street, it was uh, $2 off Tuesday. And the, the basic car wash was 5 bucks. One of the guys was like, here, man, it's $2 off Tuesday down the street. Go get yourself a car wash. And it gives me 3 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and they And they washed the engine stuff. And I felt bad because I was pissed off at that place. But I'm like, I can't even say whether it was these guys had anything to do with it originally. So I couldn't be pissed at them. Right. You know, but I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You're a five-minute oil change. Putting the oil cap back on should be, like, paramount of your freaking job. (laughs) Right. There's three things you have to do. Take the oil cap off, put the oil in, put the oil cap back on. Yeah, and when I was putting the air filter in, when I noticed that the that the windshield wiper fluid was um, wasn't put on tight, I didn't notice the oil thing because why would I? I wasn't looking for that. You right. know? That I wasn't like, oh, better check. But now I know that every time I go there, I have to check that stuff. I mean, about probably seven years ago, I used to drive this little old Saturn, and I went and got changed once and. <sighs> And uh, and I was in traffic, and the engine just died. I was like, "Holy fuck, what's going on?" I had to restart the car, and I brought it to this mechanic guy. I'm like, "Damn, this is gonna cost me a bunch of money." He checks, and he's like, "Oh, uh, this this vacuum hose or whatever was disconnected." 
you know, and and apparently the oil guys had done that was disconnect this vacuum hose that time. So I should have known, but but um, but this was a new twist on stuff. Just not putting the oil cap back on. And they're like, yeah, that's why you've been losing oil. I'm like, yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But hey, at least I got a. Now the car's running a hell of a lot better because, of course, it was run like shit. It was run out of oil. It was leaking oil for five weeks. I didn't even notice it. Now, when you have like a major car problem, do you have a mechanic that you go to? Does your family have a mechanic that they go to? Uh, you know, we. I haven't had a real major one in a while, but I used to go to this guy who my brother goes to for everything. He's one of these guys, you know, you pay him. Everything he does costs $300. <laughs> you know, no matter what your problem is. So it's like, I don't know, sometimes I think you kind of make outs. In the end, it all evens out. I think if it's like a $400 problem, he charges you 300 If it's a $200 problem, he charges you 300 <laughs> you know, I think at the end of the day is he'll always find a three hundred dollars worth of a problem with your car. Yeah, but he does good work, and I trust him. So that's the guy I'll go to if something's messed up. There's another guy that I go to if I have body issues. He was a guy that used to work across the street uh, from my uh, from my house down here. But uh, but the problem is he's not around here too too often now, and I really need him to do stuff to my car right now. But uh, he's he's so cheap because you know he doesn't do this as a full time job, but he's really good at it, and he charges me cash, you know. Right. So you get a discount on all that. So so that's my issue. My because dad. You my, need to know a mechanic, dude. My dad knows a a mechanic that. Anytime my dad hears that you're having some car problems, he jumps in right away. I'll bring you to my mechanic. You got to yeah. drop it off on Monday. I'll switch cars with you. I'll take it for the week. No problem. And the mechanic's always, anything my dad does is always an hour and a half away, no matter what. Dentist, doctor, mechanic, he's always hitting the road. Yeah. He's back at a lunch and he's hitting the road for his service provider. But I've sent two cars with my dad for, you know, pretty major stuff and i've never gotten a car back really he just says uh yeah they couldn't do anything with that one what do you mean you couldn't do anything with that one that's what happened to my saturn when it broke down i brought into this this other mechanic that my mom uh that my parents bring their cars to and he does really good work and he was like no it's not worth fixing this car you know, so it got donated to the uh, bridge house, the the uh, homeless drug addict rehab home, you know. See, I would have gladly accepted the non-working car back so I could have donated it and taken a write-off for charity, but I didn't even get that back. Wait, they don't give you the car back? No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's technically theft. I mean. <laughs> Maybe your dad's involved in some kind of shady business deal. I don't get that. Some kind of scrap metal racket or something. I guess so. I guess so. Um, Hey, speaking of family, you are a a proud participant in the annual DeSantis Family March Madness Bracket Tournament Pool. Yes. Although this year you didn't fare too well. No Syracuse alum fared particularly well. Of course. Um, But I have to ask you, as as a... unbiased participant you have no ties to the family um 
This year's tournament was won by my three-year-old niece who legitimately picked her own bracket, um, but picked a final four that consisted of Tulsa, Cincinnati, Creighton, and Kentucky. And because Kentucky went all the way through and Dayton went into the Elite Eight and she also had Tennessee um, into the Sweet 16 and we play a weighted pool where your uh, points per round are multiplied by the seed, she just racked up a ton of points. And um, I'm catching a little shit. Of course, my dad loves it. He thinks it's funny. And my brothers, you know, everybody who's in the pool for the reasons that they're in the pool, because it's I make them because they're in my family, enjoy it. But I catch a little shit from some, you know, from some outliers. And a bunch of people uh, didn't come back this year because they they think it's bogus that a three-year-old could win the pool. But... Uh, to those people, suck it. I think it's hilarious because it just shows you the homerism of the people that do participate in that pool. Absolutely. The fact that there are such a high percentage of Syracuse homers that all you need to do is get one Final Four team right. and You can have three <laughs> other teams that have nothing to do with, that don't even sniff the, the third round. Like, like uh, Tulsa, for example. And you can still win the damn pool. That's ridiculous. And she absolutely crushed it, too. She's, a, she's ahead by 100 points. Yeah. Um, nobody could touch her even if, um, even if they had a perfect end to March Madness. But um, it, this, is, this was an atypical year in that sense. Um, usually the person who wins, you know, who has the most correct choices wins the pool. It's happened every year. But um, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't. I wasn't too biased in my own in my own pool creation to to not see the forest through the trees. But yeah, to those people, I say suck it. <laughs> Go start your own pool, fucker. Who are the type of people that get angry at this? Anybody I know? No, they're all like one-off friends of um, of Ange's brother, one-off friends of my brother. Like people who just, you know, in, in just padding the numbers and trying to get it up to be a $500 pool, uh, you know, you say, come on in. It's fun. You know, yeah. we, we throw a party. It's, you know, it's 10 bucks. What's to lose? It's a different kind of scoring system, blah, blah, blah. But uh, apparently some people take their March Madness pools pretty seriously. As far as March Madness pools, the one thing I like about your pool is that you can actually pay by PayPal. What you can't do with the Sean Reardon pool, apparently, and you can't even find out where to send the money. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so counterintuitive because he's been running pools for as long as I can remember. He runs that that weekly football pool. Yeah, that weekly football pool of like 100 people, people across the country. He's run that pool. He's lived in Boston. He's lived in uh, Hawaii. He's lived in San Diego, and he's back in Boston, and he's run exactly. that pool. Exactly, and he wants you to send him a check. <laughs> and he doesn't even update, hey, this address is still good or anything. You know, even though it's common for him to move to a different place within a year, you know? I'm- I mean, I know he might not be moving, like, anywhere drastically now he's got a kid, but he could be moving to a new house, you know? Yeah. And I'm pretty in tune with with PayPal for uh, 
I use it for business and it's, you know, it's pretty mainstream when you're talking about e-commerce, but, um, you know, I, I use it and have used it personally for yeah. uh, maybe 10 years. And I was on that bachelor party for my sister's fiance a couple weeks ago and it, the confusion when it was suggested that we perhaps pay by PayPal, it took about two or three days to sift through what that meant and how people yep. could do it. Yeah, we. Um, I was at a bachelor party. A buddy of mine I went to law school with was down here with his, and his brother organized a bachelor party. And it was about 20 of us went out to dinner on the Friday, you know, and, uh, and I'm like, how much do you owe you? He's like, don't worry, I'm going to send out an email. He sent out an email the day after the bachelor party ended. He's like, I broke it down. Everybody owes me such for the dinner. You can pay me by PayPal. Because it's a hell of a lot easier for one dude to put on the credit card and pay than to, than to split up a 20-person bill at the time of payment. You know? Right. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, why doesn't anybody else think of stuff like this? Yeah, totally. And that was that was like the mindset of everybody just keep the receipts and you know we'll settle up later, but there's a there's a, there's a, a huge anti PayPal contingent out there, evidenced by the handwritten note I got from um, Brian Peters, which was which was cool. Um, number one, Carla works uh, in I think she works in stationery or textiles or something along those lines. Yeah. So all of her stationery, I've gotten notes from them before, thank you cards, what have you. It's always cool because they're always nice and, you know, they're, um, you know, you get a little piece of mail, which you never get. Yeah, usually the mail's junk. But this one, I open it, and the entire note says, fuck PayPal. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. In the Sean pool, I sent a message. I posted to the message board about PayPal. And, you know, it sends an email to everybody that's in the pool. And BP responded, replied to the email that was posted, you know, asking, why are you asking me this, you know? And I was like, I'm not really asking you that. You know, there's all <laughs> confusion over that. So, you know, I guess he's been... Uh, Ruminating on the PayPal for a little bit. <laughs> he, he's he's had it. Yeah. They officially can't take it no more. But like last week, I was bitching about that to somebody, to a couple of friends, and they're like, "Well, you got to pay fees." I was like, "No, you don't. As long as it's something to family or friends, and you pay with a uh, with your checking account." You know, I was knocking down all the arguments. They're like, oh, well, maybe he's trying to avoid taxes. I was like, I was like, he's not a. I was like, the guy's not a professional bookie. You know, <laughs> I have a hard time believing he's making enough money off of these things that he's got to be hiding it from the government. You know, I was like, this guy just doesn't want to do PayPal. So if you're out there, Sean Reardon, pull your ass into the 21st century and do your pulls by PayPal. You'll get a lot more. Uh, you'll get a lot more uh, participants who are paying a lot quicker. That's my PSA there. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, we got some. Um, I don't know if you caught this. It it just came down a little uh, a little bit ago. Uh, BC named their head coach. Yes, it, and is, it is not, not named Mike Hopkins. And Marquette hired a new coach not named Mike Hopkins. So it looks like Hopkins is going to be on the hill. You would guess at this point. Yep. For the duration, right? 
Yeah, he might. Well, this happens every year, but he might be fifty by time he gets by the time Bayheim steps down. I I would say that uh, I would definitely say that Bayheim's you know got a good three to five years in him. I I listened to um um to some Syracuse Sports Talk Radio today. They seem to think it's more like two to three. Yeah. They'd certainly know better than I would, but you know, the fact that that Coach K has signed on, at least in theory, for another five years, leads me to believe, you know, Bayheim is gonna be toe to toe with them. They're the same age. Well, it's funny you say that because Wojo was like the top assistant to Coach K now, and he's the one that just took the Marquette job. So obviously, you know, he thinks it's definitely five years or more. Maybe Hopkins not taking this job because it's weird that they all of a sudden at the last minute turned to this coach from Ohio who, while he was good at Ohio, you know, he he had a stint at TCU before that. You know, it's not exactly like the guy's been gone up and up and up the ladder, you know? Right. Right. It's not a hire that you would think that an ACC school who has the potential to, you know, to, to put together a program on any given year. They've done it in the past. Yep. You know, you think that they would, you know, would kind of take an up and comer, but that started me thinking what what happens if he leaves because the the talk up there was that if he leaves one in his own mind, he's leaving for good, and two, to get a team to buy into him, they have to be convinced that he's just not biding time to come back. When Beheim retires, they seem to yeah. think up there that that's the biggest um, downside to hiring Mike Hopkins is that he's a short-term rental. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, I mean, I don't know. Only you know, only Mike Hopkins knows. But uh, people are obviously afraid of that. But if he were to leave, where does that put? You know, where's what's that? Where's the, the 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 coaching hierarchy go from there? Uh, that's way too big of a leap for a guy like McNamara. Is you know is Red Autry? Um, you know you say that, but you know how young Jim Beheim was when he took that job. Yeah, I mean that's I true. I mean 1976, and he's like the same age as my mom, and my mom was 30 in 1976. So he was 30, 31 years old. Jerry McNamara is older than that now, I believe, isn't he? Uh, let's see. He was he was eighteen in two thousand three, so by two thousand and seven, he was twenty. He was probably born nineteen eighty four, so he's thirty this year. I don't know, man. It's a it's a different school. It's a different landscape. No, I know what you're saying, but what I'm saying is, you know, even if he's thirty five, there's several thirty something year old coaches. You know, look at that guy. I mean, I know it's a smaller school, but Shaka's smart. You know, that guy's only like 35 now. You know, like 35 isn't that young. I mean, it's not It's not like so out of the ordinary, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, you look at it. Stevens, he's 36. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I, love, I love McNamara. I just don't – I haven't seen enough of him in that role – to know that he's on the same caliber in terms of charisma, in terms of personality, in terms of, you know, recruiting. Well, I don't think it's, it's the recruiting is the issue. We don't know what 
what he does in terms of that. But, I mean, as far as charisma goes, that guy doesn't have to do anything to have charisma. People just love him. You know, he he he... He exudes that, you know? Yeah, but that's... I mean, I, I'm looking at it in terms of the recruiting angle. Yeah, I mean, he, he just hasn't had many years yet, only because he's, you know, he he played uh, professionally a little bit. Yeah, so he's he's got to have time. But And we know Hopkins is the top recruiter. I'm just saying if some... For some reason, Hopkins left. That's the only thing I'm thinking about. If he was to leave and go somewhere where he ended up successful, you know... I don't know of any big program like like that's why I didn't think BC would have been such a big, you know, why I didn't think it was likely because yeah, while we don't think they're a big big program, they're in a big conference. You know, I think if Hopkins goes anywhere at this point, it's more likely to be a Marquette, you know, something where you're always looking uh even though they might be basketball schools, the type of place where guys move on from, you know? True. True. It's acceptable to go back to your alma mater. Yes. It's acceptable to go to a bigger school. But I wouldn't be surprised if he never leaves at this point. I mean, it's the window's running out. You know, he's into his forties now. The window's closing. You know, and Bayheim's not going to get any younger. He's going to leave soon. There's no. I mean, sooner or later. You know. You know. It's in ten years, Bayheim will not be the coach. Yeah. Yeah. We know that. In five years, he. There's a good chance he won't be the coach. So I'm agreeing with what those guys are feeling up in Syracuse. And what I think you think, too, is Hopkins isn't gone anywhere. And listen, for the amount of money he's making, for the impact that he has up there, for the reputation that he has, I wouldn't go either, man. Yeah. He, yeah, I hear you, man. He just realized a long time ago what each of us is realizing now you know, as we hit our 40s, boy, it would be a lot cooler if we could just go back to Syracuse. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't throw me in your uh, category yet. I still got a couple, <laughs> two and a half years to go, brother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I don't mind if Hopkins never goes anywhere before becoming head coach. I don't think he has to go. Uh, I don't think he has to go test himself anywhere, prove anything. Either he can coach or he can't. You know, and he's been Syracuse long enough. He's not going to be some untested dude being thrown to the wolves at a big program. You know, he's comfortable with what's going on. He grew up in it. You know, as a as an eighteen year old kid. You know, and then. You know, after maybe two years after his career ended, he came back as a coach. You know, I think he's been on the staff since 95. So I'm not worried about Mike Hopkins. Yeah, either am I. I hope he stays. Um, I hope he's happy. And if those two things are are aligned, then I think he'll be a pretty successful coach. He looks happy as hell on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What else you got, man? Anything? Uh... Well, I guess I can say uh, I went to the 20th high school reunion last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Listen, I just wrote that down. What, um, yeah, what happened? Well, I mean, got really drunk predictably uh, because those things are like, you know, it's debauchery. Just dudes die in the 
to get drunk. But this is my main observation. Wait, hold. I'm sorry. What, set it up for me. Where do you go? Is it at the high school? Is it a bar? No, no. It was uh, down in the French Quarter. It was at, at this place, Acme Oyster Bar. I don't know if you heard of it. It's it's one of those big tourist joints. It's an oyster house, but it's like type of place where when tourists are here, everybody goes. There's a big line waiting out for people to go in there and eat. Got it. Uh, but it's the upstairs of the place is where the uh, reunion was held. You know, so it was like open bar for three hours. Uh, you know, you walk up there and it might have been 60 guys. I'm not sure how many. We had a class of graduating class of 227 or 237, whichever number you want to go with. Um Depending on the guys who technically weren't allowed to walk across the stage because they cut down the trees. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so I get up there and, you know, it's open bar. So everybody's just, you know, people just flooding the bar. Uh, and I don't know. Have you been to a reunion lately or have you been to any of them? I've never been to a high school reunion. Yeah. The first one I went to was my 15. This was the second one I've ever been to. There's some people who you talk to for a while, like the people who you used to talk to for a while in high school. And then there's the guys who you you talk to on occasion in high school, you know. And then there were guys who you really never talked to. And then there were guys who you definitely never talked to. So out of the people there, there were some people who, you know, I didn't acknowledge them. They didn't acknowledge me because why would we, you know. Uh, there were a few of those guys. Then there were a couple guys. You knew you knew each other at some point. You're like, oh, hey, you check the name tag, you know, just to make sure it is who you think he is. And you're like, oh, what's up? And then you move on. Then you have the other guys who you talk to for like two minutes. You know, but even people that you like, you might not talk to for more than two minutes because, you know, you got three hours there. And you if you, you want to talk to everybody, you don't talk to anybody that long, even the people you really want to talk to. So it's a very uh, odd thing like that. And the other thing is um, trying to tell who guys are. You know, guys, I'll tell you, you see gray-haired guys, and you're like, all right, that guy's gray-haired, but I can still tell it's this guy because he's still got the same haircut, except it's in gray, you know? Right. But then you see the bald guys, and you're like, man, who the hell is that? What happened to his hair? And you're like, all right, it's that guy. And then, like, like one guy in particular I can think of who was bald and now had a big beard. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know who the fuck that guy is. <laughs> and then when I finally got up and I saw his name tag, I was like, oh, I remember that guy. And we were hanging out for a bit because there was a guy who I liked. But I, I had no, I could not tell who he is. When you take hair off of people, it really changes up. And when you take hair off a guy's head and you put a beard on his face, it really throws it off. <laughs> so <clears throat> here's what I what would be my biggest concern about going to uh, a high school reunion, and maybe one of the reasons why I haven't gone back is that I didn't I didn't have one particular clique or or group in high school. I kind of hung out with a bunch of different people depending on the situation. I lived about 40 minutes from high school. So yeah. all the kids, there were about three or four different towns that fed in and those kids kind of hung out together. And, you know, from that point on, they made other friends or, or whatever. Um, yeah. So coming in solo, 
I just, you know, was kind of forced in a good way to to just kind of hop from group to group and, and kind of make a, a, a big net of friends, but not very deep. So, like, do you still hang out with dudes that you went to high school with? Well... Uh, on the regular? Well, I work with Jacob and uh, Jared, who I also work with. We all graduate together. Okay, so did you go to the party with them? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, my buddy Colin came to town, the one, the, the terrible photographer from <laughs> uh, Final Four weekend. Wait, Colin doesn't live in town anymore? Colin lives in Columbus, Mississippi now. Ah. Yeah, I mean, after, he, he ended up there. He, he ended up in Mississippi after, no, before Katrina, I guess he ended up in Mississippi, but uh, now he's some kind of weekly newspaper publisher. You know, I mean, <laughs> he's, probably, well, I, he, he's a big fish in a little pond now, and he loves it. Okay, because he always had um, he always had delusions of grandeur. So now <laughs> he's living the dream. Uh, so he lives out there publishing his paper. Uh, so he came to town for it. So uh, so me and him went down there together. We met at. Um, at a bar, at this nice hotel bar down there, we met uh, Jacob and Jared and uh, who else? This guy, Morrow, who we were good friends with. And uh, this other guy, Keith, who we were friends with, uh, who I've known probably since we were in second grade. He showed up and we had a couple drinks there and then we headed over, you know, because even I wouldn't feel so weird, although it is weird to go into one of those things alone. You know, most people don't want to walk into one of those parties by themselves. You know? Right. Because it, it is a weird experience. So so we had a few drinks, and then we walked into the quarter and went there. And um, I don't know. Sometimes, which I found at the last one, <laughs> you find yourself talking to guys, some guys, you find yourself talking to more than you talked to them in four or five years of going <laughs> to school with them. Which is very weird. I could see that happening. You know, and um, I don't know. There were some cool things down there. There's some guys you didn't know what was going on with them. And then, you know, and then the guys is like, how the hell did you get so tall? Guys who went through gro- growth spurts after you left <laughs> high school. That's very weird. Uh, and there was at least two or three guys like that. And then, like, our buddy Keith, he's the one guy who never went through a go- growth spurt. He's still short. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Like, we have one guy who graduated with us who's an actor, and I had to go, even though I didn't talk to him that much in high school, I had to go and talk to him because he was in the movie Her. I don't oh, know if you saw yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, that, wait, Her? Yeah, yeah, with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, the Spike Jones movie just came yeah, out. Yeah, and he had a non-speaking role, but he got a credit in the movie, and he got perhaps one of the best credits of all time. I'm going to look it up right now. I went to him. I was like, dude, I just got to say something because, and uh, I was like, that you have the best movie credit of all time. I'm, I'm going to read you what his movie credit is. I'll even send you the link to his IMDb page. All right. I'm on the, I'm on the her IMDb. Okay. Well, if you go down, you're going to have to click on see full cast. Dinner guy? Diner guy? No, no, not at all. 
New sweet boyfriend of mother who dated pricks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve Zissus. Yep. <laughs> Good old Steve Zissus. I was like, I, I had no clues in that movie. I was at it with my sister. And, it, and uh, it's a scene where, where Joaquin Phoenix has, has the phone. And he's got in a pocket and they're looking around at people like in this food court mall type of thing analyzing people and they focus on them. I'm like, oh my God, I know that guy. <laughs> so in the came, he didn't have one line. And when the, the friggin' uh, credits roll, I was like, oh my God, what an awesome credit. Yeah, so, so I had to go acknowledge him. Well, he was also in Jeff Who Lives at Home, which is... Yeah, um, I, was, um, I was in a... Well, I don't know if I ended up on the cutting room floor or not, but that was between me passing the bar and getting a job as a lawyer. So sometimes I would go work as an extra. And in the scene that I was working as an extra on, it involved, he was the guy who was uh, involved in a romance with Judy Greer, who was, I believe, Ed Helms' wife in the movie. There at lunch or something. Yes. And, and in between sh- shoots, in between shots, you know, you see him in there, and he sees me in between shots. He comes up and talks to me. He's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and it was like breaking the fourth wall because generally extras, no one acknowledges your existence when you're an extra. Right. You know, you're literally, they, they call you background. You know, you know, that's what you are, backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> but I never saw Jeff lives at home, so I need to see it so I can at least see if I got, like, my leg in the pit in that shot or not. But I'm sure I didn't end up in it. Just because where I was sitting in the restaurant at the bar and where the uh, center of action was in that during that scene. And he was also in the uh, the Jonah Hill movie Cyrus. Well, this is the thing. All those movies. Well, the last two movies you mentioned were directed by two brothers who graduate from my high school. Uh, so basically in everything they make. Got it. And if you see his um, his newest credit, which is crazy because he's well, not his newest credit because I never knew he was on an episode of The Trophy Wife, but he's he's got like top billing for this new show that they're doing on HBO, Togetherness. Whoa! I was like, whoa! And everybody was congratulating him on that. He's like, dude, two two months ago I was waiting tables, <laughs> yeah, and even though he like. Jeff, who lives at home, he probably got paid decent for that. But, you know, his his roles are pretty much limited by the whatever work the Duplass brothers were getting. <laughs> now, did they go to – did you go to high school with them? Or they're just yeah, from New Orleans? Well, the, the older brother was a little – you know, was a few years older than me. But Mark was – he was 1995, a year after. Oh, okay. That's the guy from the league you were telling me about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they're really cool guys. Like when we were in that Jeff who lives at home thing, Jason Siegel was in that movie. Um, when we went to do lunch or whatever, you know, Jason Siegel went off to go be Mr. Celebrity wherever he goes to get his vegan, uh, fair trade lunch or whatever. But the Duplass brothers, you know, the lunches that they provided for all the extras and crew was really good because they were eating the same lunch. 
You know, like they were they were mixed in amongst everybody. They're real down to earth guys. Usually, I'd been on a few of those shoots, and usually the directors or whatever, you know, they're nowhere to be found when it's feeding time. It's like you're literally eating out of like a trough generally. But like they had like you know good ice cream as dessert because those guys want ice cream, so everybody else was getting ice cream. So, uh, so uh, I give uh, major kudos to those guys. How much does an extra get paid? Like eighty dollars for a day of work. It's it's whatever the scale is, you know. So um, there was another movie I was an extra in with Nicolas Cage that I need to see because I think I might have made it into that film, but I never saw it. It was like one of those direct-to-video movies. The working title was Hungry, Hungry Rabbit Jumps, but I think it was released as Seeking Justice, where Nicolas Cage played a... I think his wife was kidnapped or murdered or something, and he was out to seek justice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that, that, those are good times, you know, I guess if I was really rich and didn't have to, if I won the lottery, I could just go and, you know, spend my days working as an extra. (laughs) Yeah. The key is you bring a book or some Sudoku or a crossword puzzle book because most of it's just sitting around. That's funny because, um, Liz Stillman's father. Chug a beer. (laughs) Had a successful career as an attorney, and yeah. um, you know his doctor told him that he had to cut back. I think he might have had a heart attack or something uh, when we were in Syracuse, and oh, really? he quit his practice and uh, got an acting coach, and he became an actor. Damn, that's awesome. He played the father, although um, he didn't have any speaking lines because the the character was dead. He played the father in Any Given Sunday with um, Al Pacino and Cameron Diaz. The um, Yeah. Who is that? What's his name? Oliver Stone? Yep. He, um, he was the father. He was portrayed a, a, as a portrait in oh, the movie. Oh, so he wasn't actually in a movie? They just used his image? They used his image, but he was on set. To get the portrait made, <laughs> and he met uh, he met Al Pacino and Cameron Diaz. Oh, cool! And he's got a bunch of other credits to his name. Um, I don't I don't happen to see him on IMDb. What's his uh, full name? It's Phil Stillman, but it might be Philip Stillman, maybe. Yeah, it's possible. But there you go. That's your. That's going to be your career arc. Yeah, I mean, the most um, film time I ever got was on this um, Jason Lee TV show. I don't know if you remember the show named um, what was it called? Earl uh, Memphis Beat. Oh yeah, okay. I kind of, I kind of know what you're talking about. And I was uh, chosen to be like in the jury box. And it was the uh, opening of the episode, you know, the intro. And and there I was right on TV. It's still on the Liver Carry family DVR here. <laughs> it's, it, it's set to never erase for that reason. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was uh that was pretty fun. I 
some of these extras, guys, guys who I've been on stuff before, I'll see them like when I look up movies, movies I locally made, and, and it's like other casts because people can go make their own IMDb page and and put themselves in, you know, oh, right. un, un, uncredited, you know. <laughs> I should go do that just for the hell of it. Well, I don't know. I guess we get one when two sorry excuses the movie gets made. <laughs> like, have you ever seen the, um, what was the show? The Gong Show movie? No. Uh, they For a while, they were showing it on one of these HBOs or Showtime channels or whatever. You know what the Gong Show is, right? Yeah, of course, man, of course. Yeah, so imagine how horrible a movie stretched out based on the Gong Show is. Who was in it? Chuck Barris. He was the star, of course. You know, um, and there's people whose name you'll recognize. If you're on IMDb, go look up the Gong Show movie. Let's see. Let's see. We got the Gong Show. Uh, I got to look up. Mabel King. The mama from What's Happening. Yep. And they even got like, you know, it's. It's just like a non-sequitur of events, you know? Well, I don't think anything documented the rise and fall of cocaine in Hollywood like watching the gong show from pilot to finale. Because that show got turned upside down. Yeah. In terms of the outrageousness and the level of... of, uh, of shenanigans that they were willing to put on, including Chuck Barris himself. Yep. And I mean, Ed Marinaro was in the gong show movie. Um, former, uh, Cornell football star, NFL football player at Hill street blues cast member. Oh Ed yeah. Marinaro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the world's, uh, the unknown comic I know was in it. Cause he was a, what's his name? Murray. Where is he? Murray Langston, he's the unknown comic. Do you remember him? I do. He was the guy with the bag over his head. He was like the st- Jamie Farr played Jamie Farr in a Gong Show movie. He was one of the he was one of the judges. My favorite yep. from the uh, from the Gong Show was Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. Yep, Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. Did you know he was just he was literally a janitor? Really? He was he was really a janitor, and yeah. in between takes or something, they caught him dancing. To that song that he danced to, and he they made the most it popular dude on that show. They made it a part of the uh, of the show. I love the Gong Show, man. Look at the Gong Show movie. Danny DeVito, performer, uncredited. Tony Randall, performer in tuxedo. Yeah, <laughs> and it, w- huh. it wasn't a. It's not a document. Phil Hartman, man at airport with gun. I do remember seeing that in the movie. It, it's. It's a fictional account. It's not a docu. Yeah, it's it's fictional. Like it's supposed to be based on the silliness that goes on around the Gong Show. Like Chuck Barris is the protagonist, and all you know, people are always randomly just auditioning for him wherever he goes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he's got there's even like a love story involved. You know? <laughs> uh. Uh, Robert Downey Sr. was. Uh, Wrote it was one of the writers, Chuck Barris and Robert Downey Sr. That's awesome. What was the um, George Clooney movie about? 
Confessions uh, of a Dangerous Mind. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, a, that's a good movie. That is a great movie. Well, the crazy thing is Chuck Barris wrote that book. Yep. And I think he might have gave one interview about it, but he's never said anything else about it, and he won't. You know, so it's like the ultimate mystery. Is this all bullshit or what? Oh, you that's know? crazy. Because he claims to be a CIA operative. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, he 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 just never will say anything else about it. Uh, he used to be a songwriter, like he'd write these real corny songs, like uh, what was the one? Palisades Park. Palisades Park, yes. By Freddie, is that Freddie Cannon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, and like, I think that was like a. Uh, it was like one of those songs that hit it big due to payola, I believe. But if I'm if I'm if I'm not mistaken, it's a song about like a pederast who goes to the amused Palisades Park was like a, a regional attraction up here, right outside of New York City is an area called the Palisades on the New Jersey side. Um, and there's a town called Palisades Park and it had yeah. a big amusement park. And at the time it was huge because um, the only other place you could go for amusements was, was the shore area. So if you just wanted a day trip, you would go to Palisades Park, and it's about a dude who goes to Palisades Park and rides. I think he rides the the Ferris wheel, looking up the skirts of the teenage girls who go there. You know, with their boyfriends or on dates or something like that. Yeah. But it's like a, you know, it's a teeny bopper. You know, fifties or sixties hit. Yeah, I mean, he had Freddie Cannon. Freddie Cannon did have a lot of hits. You know, um, looking it up. But like the payola scandal, that's what I thought. If you look up payola and Chuck Barris, you'll you'll hit some of that. He was, um, yeah. Barris was to take the train to Philadelphia every day, sit on the set of American Bandstand, and keep an eye on Dick Clark, who was caught up in the payola scandal. He had a financial stake in publishing companies, record labels, and even pressing plants, whose records he promoted heavily on American Bandstand. While on the set, he wrote a song called Palisades Park. In 1962, Freddie Boom Boom Cannon recorded the song and became a big hit. ABC did not want another payola investigation and forbade Barris from writing more songs. I mean, you know what the payola scandal was, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like when they'd be paying, paying off DJs to basically give a lot of airtime to stuff that really wasn't popular, but it became popular because they were paying them off, you know? Which, I mean, to be honest, what's the big deal? Yeah, I mean, he's a mysterious figure, man. Yeah, he's uh, he's out there, man. Yeah, I mean, he'd be 85 years old if he's alive. Or he is alive, I think, still. He'll be 85 on June 3rd. Jeez. Yeah, he's... Uh, I knew he had something to do with American Bandstand. Yeah, because he's from Philly. Interesting. All right. Well, I don't know how much more we need to go into that, but I do want to do more research in the Palisades Park. <laughs> All right, man. I don't that- really need to be entertained with with the way I acquire my trivial knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. I'll see you next week. Good night, Fredo. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs>